Can y'all hear me all right on this? All right, good deal. We were talking earlier about microphones going out. I've been blessed that if my microphone does go out, I got a built-in one I can get pretty loud. So uh, I am thankful for the microphone this morning, though. You know, we've been, we took a break from it last week, but we've been going through the book of 1 Peter now for a little while. We're going to come back to it this morning here in chapter 2. And we're going to be picking up in verse 7 of chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 4 of chapter uh, 2 of 1 Peter. And this morning we're going to be talking about a cornerstone. Now, this is an architectural term, and, and today it is more of a ceremonial object uh, than it is a functional foundation piece. And that's due primarily, primarily to the fact that our foundations, when we build today, uh, are, are built upon a concrete slab. That's what we do today in modern construction. But this was not always the case. In the past, the cornerstone uh, of a building, of a foundation, of a structure, uh, it was nothing more than a hollowed-out block and, or a hollowed-out stone. And they would fill these things with uh, small little vessels, little containers. Uh, they would put animal deposits in there, and they would put other symbolic items inside of it. Now this type of cornerstone that I'm talking about uh, was found in all the way back in Egyptian uh, architecture. Now they would have a foundation ritual, if you will, when they got ready to build a, a, a structure or a palace or a, a tomb, and, and which is Today's equivalent of a groundbreaking ceremony, y'all have all seen those, right? When they get ready to build something new, they have a ceremony and they, they go out there and all the dignitaries have a pretty clean hard hat on and they got a shovel and they all pose for a picture and they break the ground on the new structure. Well, this ritual uh, ceremony they would have back then was something, something similar, uh, similar to that. And during these rituals, they'd have a whole big uh, festivity, a uh, big celebration when their construction was about to begin. And this is uh, specifically when they would build a temple, uh, when they would build a palace, or when they would build a tomb. And during this ritual, during this uh, celebration, uh, their pagan priest would come around and he would fill these hollowed out stones uh, with different things that I just mentioned, those uh, animal deposits and those vessels and different things. And then he would perform a ritual blessing, if you will, over these things. The reason he did that, they wanted their gods to protect this structure. Protect it, make it last a long time, sort of in their mind ensure the longevity of this place that they were building and they would take these hollowed out stones and they would place them on all four corners of this structure 
But in reality, even though they were doing these things and, and praying to their pagan god to, to, to protect this place, the reality of the thing, uh, the whole uh, show here, if you will, was that these cornerstones were empty. They were just hollow shells. And they protected, were protected by nobody. And they were incapable of holding up anything. They were empty. They were hollow. And over time and over uh, the centuries, when the foundation of this place began to fail, these vapid hollow stones were the very first things in the foundation. They began to fail. They began to collapse. So we need to back up even further than the uh, Egyptians. Now, bear with me. I want us to, to understand what the function of a cornerstone is and what it was originally intended to do. So we got to back up even further than these Egyptians to understand what the cornerstone really is. Now, y'all all know that I'm a bit of a, a nerd. I'm a bit of a, a history uh, person that likes to study that and they have all kind of different programs on TV where they uh, uh, archaeological uh, digs and things like that I like to watch those just to you know uh, just to get a grasp of how old stuff is how people did things way back then well the the oldest known uh created structure by man, I'm talking about a stone uh, structure, something that was intended to last, something besides a, a, a tent or something like that. The oldest known construction is found in Turkey. Y'all know where modern day Turkey is? Some of you may go high. It's over yonder across the pond somewhere. But it's found in, in, in modern day Turkey and it's more than twice as old as the ancient Egyptian Structures. Now think about that. We think about ancient Egypt. That's thousands of years ago. Some of that uh, old uh, ancient Egyptian stuff is 5,000 years old. Well, this structure that was discovered, it's dated back to 11,500 years old in Turkey. It's built out of stone. We got to go back there to, to find out the intended function of a cornerstone. And when we go all the way back there, we find out that traditionally the first stone laid in the foundation of a structure with all the other stones laid in reference to it. That's the cornerstone. It is the stone in which all the other stones rest. They get their direction from it. It is the core of the foundation of that structure. With it being the first and all of them aligning to it, it all comes back to that one stone. In other words, it is the beginning and the end of that foundation, of that structure. It is the alpha and it is the omega of that structure. 
Now today in these uh, three verses that we're going to read this morning, Peter is going to talk about a cornerstone. And keep that uh, traditional or original thought in mind of what the cornerstone actually is as we go through that. Peter is going to be talking about the chief cornerstone this morning. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you got your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. When you have that, say amen. And y'all know the deal. Stand on the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> this is what Peter writes, beginning in verse 4. He said, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture. Listen to what he says here. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for your word this morning. God, I pray that you open our minds and open our hearts, Father, to receive from you, Lord. God, I ask, Lord, that you would fill my head with your wisdom and my mouth with your words. Lord, move me out of the way, Father, that you might be glorified this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, as we look at these... Uh, Three verses of Scripture right here. Y'all know who I am. I like to take uh, verses of Scripture and I like to, to, to pick it apart. I like to see what uh, the Lord intends for us to get out of this. Peter begins here in verse 4. This thought he begins by stating uh, to the believers. Y'all know, y'all remember, he's writing to believers right here is who he's writing to. But he's stating to believers the fact. Y'all believe this is factual? Y'all believe this book is factual? Amen. But he's stating to the believers here the fact that Jesus Christ is indeed the living cornerstone. Y'all believe Jesus Christ is alive and well this morning, right? He is the living cornerstone. He is the foundation of the church. He is the foundation of our faith. You know, all these wonderful buildings that the Lord has blessed us with here at Atlanta Baptist Church, uh, they were built on a concrete slab, but those are the buildings. The building that Peter is going to be talking about right here is every one of you sitting in these chairs this morning and the folks sitting out there in the parking lot in your car. He's talking about the foundation of the body, the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. 
because of His imputed righteousness on us, we as believers have been made living stones with Him. Boy, that ought to get you excited. Never ever to taste the second death. Praise God. Now let's look exactly at what old Peter is telling us here. In verse 4, he starts off verse 4 right here by saying, coming to him as to a living stone. Now in this context, the Greek word translated coming means to come with the idea of remaining. Here it means to remain in Christ's presence with intimate, stay with me now, intimate, Fellowship. Much like coming home from work. Y'all know when we come home from work, and I have to, I know all work is different, but for uh, 25 years I hauled pup wood. When I've been out in the woods all day logging and come in the house, especially when I was toting one of them power saws around all day long, when I got to the house, I came home, I come to the house with the intention of remaining. I didn't want to go anywhere. It was cool, it was comfortable, I got my belly full. I didn't want to go nowhere else when I got home. This is the same context that Peter is talking about right here. Coming with the idea of remaining. Coming to the Lord Jesus Christ with the idea of not going nowhere and not wanting to go nowhere. I know that was not grammatically correct, not wanting to go nowhere, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Peter uses an Old Testament metaphor right here, uh, the living stone to emphasize Christ. The cornerstone is alive. He is alive from the dead and we have a living relationship with saved, or He has a living relationship with saved humanity. Our relationship with Him has got to be alive. If you don't initiate that relationship every day through prayer and studying His Word, guess what? There's not much of a relationship there. If you don't talk to people, guess what? You ain't got much of a relationship with them. The Lord intends for us to come and remain with Him and have a relationship with Him that is alive because He is alive. He goes on to say here in verse 4 that uh, Jesus was rejected by men. You know, I often think about that passage in Luke where Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem and, he, and He's crying and He's weeping because He knew they were going to reject Him. And indeed, He was. His uh, messianic credentials were examined by the religious leaders of Israel. And they were contemptuously rejected. You know what that means? 
he, he was rejected with contempt. In other words, they bowed their back to him. He said, we don't want to have nothing to do with you. But we know from Scripture, and we know in our heart as a believer that he was chosen by Almighty God. And he was considered precious by his Father and his Messianic credentials were authenticated. Why? Because he walked out of a tomb. We used to sing a song years ago called He Had to Rise. You see, the fact that he walked out of the tomb alive. Says, see, I am God. His credentials were authenticated by that. The hope of that empty tomb. Now, I have preached the hope of that empty tomb from uh, this platform, I have preached it from others, and I will continue to do it until my time here is done. That empty tomb gives us hope above and beyond. Notice that, beyond anything in this world. For these first century uh, believers that Peter's writing to here in his day, it is hope beyond being used as street lamps and beyond being used as line food, friends. For us, it is hope beyond cancer. It is hope beyond losing our job. It is hope beyond losing your home. It is hope beyond crooked politicians. It is hope beyond coronavirus. It is hope beyond even this body being destroyed. Because when I become absent from this body, what did Paul say? I become present with the Lord forever. Hope for that empty tomb. Let's go on look what he says here in verse 5. Peter is telling these first century Christians here and he's also telling us that as believers, we are also living stones. What does that mean? Look, we got to read that and understand that Christians are so closely identified and united with Christ by His blood and through His Spirit, that the very life that exists in Him exists also in us. I want you to ponder that for just a minute. The very life of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, that exists in Him exists in you. That blows my mind. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. He says here metaphorically that we are being built up as a spiritual house. God is building a house. 
He's putting all believers in place. And he is integrating each individual with others and each individual with the life of Jesus Christ. And who is the chief cornerstone of that house? Jesus. Well, preacher, what is this spiritual house you're talking about? Well, first of all, it starts with each individual. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone of my life. And then putting us all together, what does that house become? The body, the church, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. He goes on to say here that we are a holy priesthood that are to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. What does that mean, preacher? Well, Peter here is using an Old Testament reference to the Levite priests here who offered up physical sacrifices. They literally offered up sacrifices, burnt offerings. They did this in the temple according to the law. But Peter here is talking about us. This is, this is something different. This is... This is the new covenant. Peter is talking about us doing God, honoring works as a holy priesthood because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And who did the authors of Hebrews say Jesus was? He's our high priest. We are to do this. We are to work under the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and God's Word. Peter is talking about working for the Lord. Peter is talking about praising Him, doing good, sharing what you have with others. See, we all got something different that the Lord's blessed us with. We joked around yesterday when we were putting this together. Um, Lance and I in particular. I'm thankful that Brother Dan was there. I'm thankful that everybody was there. Brother Dan's a carpenter. And he has a certain skill set. And I'm thankful he was here to offer his skill set in building this. Because I can tell you, if it were left up to me, and if it were left up to Brother Lance, this would be a mess. He had this souped up saw that you fold the legs out and set it on there and boy, you can cut all that stuff perfect. I'd have been reaching over in the toolbox of my truck and pulling a, a 46 steel out and pulling on it like that if I needed to cut something. But you see, that just gives you a small little picture about uh, what God does, uh, uh, how he, he builds the house up and He puts people uh, within the body, within that house that have a certain skill set to accomplish the Lord's work. We just got to be willing to do it. 
God intends for us to work. Not only uh, do we need to praise Him, not only do we need to do good, not only do we need to share what we have with others, we need to pray. We've got to sacrifice our own desires for the good of others. We've got to share the gospel, responding. We've got to bring people to Christ. What Peter is saying here in verse 5 is be about the Father's business. Isn't that what Jesus said when he when, he, when they were leaving the temple and going back home and they, and they couldn't find Jesus, Mary and Joseph, and they went back, Jesus was a boy, and there he was preaching and teaching in the temple, and they got back and they found him. And, and what did they say? What in a, Of course, I'm paraphrasing here. What in the world have you been doing? He said, I've been about my father's business. Whoo, that gets me excited. We got to be about the father's business. I want you to notice something. We all know Peter, he was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was also an uneducated man. Uneducated by man's standards. You think about who Peter was and his upbringing. He was went on to be the leader amongst the apostles in the, in the book of Acts. But he was uneducated by man's standard. Peter was, I like to look at him as an old country preacher. I thought about your daddy, Miss Sondra. He was uneducated by man's standard. He was an old country preacher. Preacher, but he is telling us here at the end of verse 5, he's saying this, listen. The words I just said are truth. And scripture backs it up. I like to envision Peter as is preaching right here. Listen, the words I said are truth. And here is the scripture to back it up. I can see him talking and then saying, here is my text. Turn to Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. Because see, that's what he quotes right here in verse 6. He says, therefore, it is also contained in Scripture. He said, listen, here it is. It's in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. You see, long before Jesus ever stepped a physical foot on this earth, Prophecy concerning his coming and his role as the foundation of the new covenant was foretold. 
You see, Mount Sinai was the realm of the old covenant. The law that was given to Moses. You recall that. The law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. But look what he says here. Behold, I lay in Zion. Where is Zion? What is that? Jerusalem. You see, this place is the realm of the new covenant. Why is that? Because this is where Jesus was crucified. This is where Jesus was buried. And this is where Jesus was resurrected. A chief cornerstone. Jesus laid down first as the cornerstone and the foundation of the new covenant. Look what he says there at the end. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here as we close. Mr. Roger, Brother Lance, he said, he who believes on him Do you believe on him this morning? Have you believed on him this morning? Have you trusted him to be that chief cornerstone? Or are you still trusting in hollowed out blocks? Filled with worldly trinkets to hold up the foundation your life. Would you all stand? We've got a, uh, not only is this a stage, but it's also an altar. If you're still trusted in those hollowed out blocks this morning, Filled with the things of the world. They are not going to hold your life up. They'll be there for a little while, but guess what? Over time, they're going to fail. And if that's what you're trusting in to hold up your foundation, those are going to be the first things to fail. I'd like to invite you this morning to trust the chief cornerstone. This is an altar. You may have already trusted the Lord. You may be trusting in that chief cornerstone, but maybe there's something on your heart that you need to you, you need to just come to an old-fashioned altar and you just need to pray. That's what this is as well. So as they play, as Brother Lance sings, would you bow your head and search your heart? Take up thy cross and follow me. I Surrender your 
so much <clears throat> for being with us this morning. Um, remember tonight we're having our Revelation Bible study. Uh, the youth are going to be leading that sanctuary tonight. We look forward to that. I love you. He loves you. Thank you all for coming. I'm going to ask Brother Adrian James. Thank you. 